podcast. I really hope you like it. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Matthew West Podcast. I'm your host, Matthew West. And as always, say it with me. I really hope you like it. Thanks for joining me. Thanks for joining me every week. You don't know how much that means to me. Hey, I am so excited for today's show. Father's Day is just around the corner, so we're going to have a special Father's Day-themed episode. And I am excited for today's guest, who you already No, but before we get into that, I want to make sure that you know that we just premiered my latest music video for the song, What If. Have you seen it yet? You better see it. If you haven't seen it already, you've got to go to my YouTube page at Matthew West Music and find the music video for What If. I literally risked my life to film this video. I jumped out of an airplane for the very first time, and it's an epic finale to the music video. The video features and stars the West family, my wife and my daughters. The premise of it is so much fun. Um, It's kind of like this. If you ever saw the movie Groundhog Day, it starts off with kind of a tip of the hat to Groundhog Day, and then the craziness unfolds. So be sure to check it out. It's probably my favorite music video that I've ever done. And like I said, I risked my life for it. So you have to see how that worked out. Of course, I'm talking right now. So you know I you know, I survived it, but uh, still had a great time making that music video. Thanks for joining me today. I want to talk about today's guest. He's my dad, and you already know him. You already love him. If you've listened to this podcast for any amount of time, he's normally in the dad vice segment, right? He's my dad, and he gives good advice, and I decided to bump him up to official guest status today. So without further ado... Let's have a special Father's Day episode, and let's go to the story house with my dad, Reverend Joseph West. Dad, aside from Emily and the kids, you and mom have probably spent as much time in the story house as anybody, especially during this pandemic. Yes, it's been good times. (laughs) So I was going to say welcome, but welcome back. All right. And of course, you know, people know you from uh, many different, you know, facets of our ministry together from our quiet times that we go live and do every week and and what you share every week with that. And then, of course, you're a weekly fixture on the podcast with Dadvice. And here we are, we're coming up on Father's Day, and I thought it would be fitting to actually have you as an official guest, of course, at Mother's Day, we had mom, Sharon West, as a yes, guest. and she did a great she job. She knocked it out of the park. Yeah. So uh, anyway, so welcome. You're sitting in a different seat. It's the same chair, but you're in a different seat here at the Matthew West Podcast as an official guest on the podcast. So are, are you excited? Yes, very excited. <laughs> you sound excited. <laughs> now, um, we launched this podcast almost a year ago. In August, it'll be a year. And at the beginning, you know, I asked you if you even knew what a podcast was. So let's just start with kind of getting an update on your tech savviness. Have you have you started to understand what we've been recording this entire year? Yes, I have. It's taken me 50 times because you have done 50 podcasts and I've listened to them all and have had dad advice on several of them. You've had to, what do you mean? You've listened to dad advice or I've no, I, your podcast, I've listened to all your podcasts, yeah. 50 of them. Yes, yes. And I've done dad advices on your podcast on, on, on 3 out of all. 4 every month. Yes, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> so you're informing me of the form of the show. <laughs> Thank you. But but what I'm getting at is so yeah. you figured out how to find the podcast and listen to it. Yes, I found out that I had a podcast app <laughs> <laughs> on your phone. Yeah. And so so that's been yeah. pretty exciting, right? Well, I, I've been into my app so much that my, my wife tells me to get my head out of my apps. Okay. All right. All right. All right. Here we go now. 
you're 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 cracking yourself up. <laughs> Get your head out of your app. You said yes. I, I can't use that in the show. <laughs> oh my gosh, I'm gonna have to beep that. Okay. Get your head out of your apps. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's actually your best dad joke ever, but. I'm sure somebody somewhere in Iowa is going to be offended by that. <laughs> now, speaking of Iowa, I don't know why I just said Iowa, but speaking, maybe it's because we were just in Iowa for a festival, but that's the birthplace of Reverend Joseph West. Yes. So let's start there. Let's talk about where you grew up. Um, I think people would be really interested to know what kind of home you grew up in because yes. they want to know, like, where does a weird mind like this come from? No, All I'm just right. kidding. <laughs> All right. uh, well, I was born in Buffalo Center, Iowa, but was raised in Mason City, Iowa, and um, I'm one of 10 children, nine boys and one girl, mm-hmm. and uh, I have uh, wonderful memories of... Wait, say that again, though. I want to make sure the listener gets the those numbers there. One of 10 children, what was the boy-to-girl ratio? There were nine boys and one girl, one sister. Yes. Allie, a Allie. saint. Yes, yes. I mean, what? that's just, those numbers are unbelievable. Did Grandma West ever say why, why ten kids? Like, did she, did she ever like? Did you ever ask her like, why did you go all the way to ten kids? Like, what was the reason for that? You know what I mean? I guess it's just a different time. Yeah, it was a different time. I think there were, you know, a lot of families with a great number of children, and uh, so it never crossed my mind that. We were kind of different with 10 well, kids. Because nowadays, if you have that many kids, oh, you, yes. you've got a reality TV show. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it doesn't end well. Yeah. <laughs> but so you, and you grew up in Mason City, Iowa then. Yes. Right? Yes. And uh, nine boys, one girl. And where did you fall in the in the pecking order? I, I was right in the middle. Right in the middle. Right in the Smack middle. Smack dab in the middle. Yes. Yes. Tell the listener about the, the palace that you grew up in. Very wealthy family. In Mason City, Iowa. I'm being sarcastic, right? Yes. Uh, Well, we were raised on the north end of town, and we didn't know it, but uh, in today's term, that would probably be called the low end of town. Like the other side of the tracks kind of thing? Yeah, other side of the tracks. And uh, in our first home, until I was a senior in high school, we only had a bathtub in the basement, and it was a tin tub. And all 10 of us on a Saturday night would uh, have to share the bathwater. And that, that is fond memories. And if you were the last one, oh, depending on how many were in line that Saturday night, not all 10, of course. I mean, t- the that's six. the short end of the straw. Like, that's the short straw you would draw. Yes, yes. To be the last. And you probably, I mean, came out dirtier than. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So was- there wasn't running water in that? There was running water in the house. There just wasn't a bathtub? Yeah, we, we had running water, but no bathtub. Oh, my goodness. No bathtub until I was a senior in high school. My parents... Uh, uh, bought another house, and we finally had a bathtub. And what did Grandma and Grandpa do for a living? Well, they were hard workers, uh, blue-collar workers. My dad worked in a meatpacking plant all of his life and worked hard uh, providing for his family. And my mom was a faithful mom, of course, raising 10 kids. That's, that's all she could do. Uh, Holding a second job wasn't there. And really, just never much money to go around. No, yeah. no. But we never knew that. We never knew we were we were probably poor. poor. Yeah. We thought it was normal, and we lived, you know, I have fond memories. Yeah. I'm, I'm so thankful for. Other than uh, the bathtub. Other than the bathtub. So when, when you're the middle of 10 kids, I don't think I've ever asked you this, but, like, how does that work in terms of, I'm I'm guessing the fighting was just, I know what the fighting was like with me and two brothers, but 10 kids, like, does the picking on, like, go, you know, down step by step where, (laughs) or, you know, when you're in the middle, like, are you getting, like, picked on by the older brothers or protected? And then, like, how does that work? Did you wind up becoming closer with some than of your siblings than others? And Well, with the older brothers, I remember getting hand-me-downs. And with the younger brothers, I remember me personally fighting with them all the time. And they would go and cry to my mom and dad, and I'd be the one that would get in trouble. And I didn't think I was the one that caused the trouble all the time. And at that time, parents uh, 
didn't uh, put up with too much, you know, doing <laughs> bad. And I got, I had to go live with my <laughs> older brother my senior year of high school. You got kicked out? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I <laughs> so speaking of getting kicked out, I mean, I was thinking of, for us to chat, I was thinking of several stories that you've told throughout the years. I think for any kid to grow up and get to, you know, kids love to hear the stories of what it was like for their parents growing up. And, you know, sometimes you forget how great those stories are, but I, I have vivid memories of you just telling us some of the stories. Right. But I remember you talking about how, because there wasn't much money because, you know, and, and grandma's trying to deal with 10 kids. I think, you know, where I'm going with this, that like, you guys really weren't allowed to get sick. Right. So talk about what happened when, when one of you got sick, chances are grandma would kick you to the curb, right? Oh yes. We, we got grounded and we never, ever miss school. No matter, you know, at the time I had a lot of runny noses for some reason all through grade school and she would never, I mean, we would never get to to stay home um, if we were sick. And one time we, we did get the mumps and we all got, my brothers and I got grounded because we got the mumps <laughs> like we asked like for. Like it was your fault. Yeah, yeah. So she was tough. She, but she, was she was tough, had to be tough. Oh yeah, but she was so loving and of course introduced his auto a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And then my dad got saved later and, and that's... Uh, a powerful story in itself. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna talk about yeah. your blue couch moment as well because I think uh, you know it's a big reason why I too have a blue couch moment and uh, why I talk about it on this show all the time of the importance of having a personal relationship with Jesus and you've taught me that from a young age and so I mean your testimony is a powerful one. Did you tell the listeners yet what year you were actually born? Because I want them to get a real like glimpse of i'm about to ask you a question about a an experience at a grocery store but you were born in what year 1950 so this is this is the 1950s you're growing yes, up a house yes. full of 10 kids in mason city iowa you're uh, praying that you're not the last one to have to take a bath in that water i want everybody <laughs> to get that that image and then be thankful for for the fact that how far our world has has come <laughs> since then but you told one story many times to me, and it was really the story. And I think there was a method behind you telling my brothers and I this story. To me, I just think of the word conscience, like having a conscience. And you've always shared this story, and it was the story of going to the grocery store. Yes. What, what was the? It was the. Um, what's the name of the grocery store? Well, it was uh, Britfin's Grocery Store, and the owner we called him Blind Henry because he could hardly see. He was a real big man, and um, Henry Britfin was his name. And so you were there with some friends one day, and tell me what happened. This was you've told this story to me as a kid, which tells me that it's a it was a pivotal moment for you just in your in your growing up. Well, uh, my friends, we would uh, go to the store and we would uh, buy big bottles of pop at the time. And uh, how much we, was a bottle of pop at that time? Well, it was about twenty cents. My goodness, yeah, the big bottles, the uh, like smaller a, bottles. Yeah, the thirty-two ounces were twenty cents. The little bottles, sixteen ounce, were ten cents. We buy pop and have uh, contests who could drink it uh, the fastest. But my friends that I hung around with would. Uh, Blind Henry had this uh, habit of when there were no customers and he was the only one working the cash register sometime, he would go sit down and fall asleep and he would leave the cash register open. Wide open. Wide open. Hmm. And my friends would come and just grab some $20 bills <laughs> and cash and then they would split it. But something in my mind and heart said, don't do that. That's when I was a teenager. When I was about... Ten years old, I went in, and Blind Henry was sleeping. I went in and got a 64-ounce bottle of orange like pop. Orange Crush kind uh, of thing? Orange wow. Crush. And I walked out the store. So walked, you tried to steal it? Well, I did. You I did walked steal all it. the way home, and there was a voice. And I really feel that that was God shaping my character and my life, one of the things. And I got all the way home, and there was a little voice saying, you go back 
take that back. You take that back and you pay for it. And I walked, I walked back, (laughs) walked back by, walked right by Blind Henry. He didn't even know it. Didn't even know it. (laughs) Put it on the shelf, picked it up, paid for it. And I had never, ever in my life have ever stolen anything. And thank God that he dealt with my conscience. So at that age, were you, was grandma bringing you guys to church every Sunday? Yes. Now, Grandpa wasn't saved, right? Um, right. At first, right? right. So, but but Grandma was a Christian. Yes. Yes. So you grew up in a Christian household because of Grandma, but Grandpa would he just not go to church? Right. He he would just not go to church. He struggled with alcohol on the weekends. My mom would dress all of us kids up, and we would walk to a small neighborhood church and be there every Sunday. Same church every Sunday. Same church every Sunday. In and is fact, that the same church that I wound up going to? Was it the Assemblies of God Church in that yes, town? Yes. Much? Wow. And, and they had built a new church right, years right. later, but the little neighborhood church has so many, you know, God moments for me. And my mom would take us, this is my blue couch moment, my mom would take us to church every Sunday and vacation Bible school. And that's where I that accept- had a big impact on you. Oh, I asked, I prayed Jesus to come into my heart every, every summer. And then, but the crowning moment, my real defining moment, the, uh, the, the blue, blue couch. couch. Yeah. Let, let's talk about this. So yeah. before you get to that though, okay. I want to hear about what brought grandpa to the Lord too. One uh, night, I remember my dad coming home drunk, and uh, my mom had finally had enough of it. And that was pretty common, like on the weekends. Yeah, on the weekends. He was smart enough to stay sober during the week because he had a big family. He was like he was high functioning, like he could. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He could he could do that. But on the weekend, he came home one night and. Well, on the weekend, my mom had all she could have of that. She was upset. Yeah, she was upset. My mom, you you know how tall she was. She's not very tall. I mean, she wasn't even five feet tall. Oh, but, but she, she kept was, getting shorter every yeah, year. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and she was mighty, though. And she takes a, a frying pan, one of those. Like, she, was cast she waiting iron. for him in the kitchen with a cast iron? I don't quite remember, but she grabbed that cast iron and she hits him on the, in the head. head and um, With I don't a know. cast iron yeah, frying cast pan. iron frying pan. All I know is that he never ever took a drop <laughs> since, and he started church and made a commitment to Jesus Christ. And so we're not condoning violence here, but uh, we can't deny the result. Oh, it's the best AA program around. Was the was the cast iron Use frying the cast pan? Cast iron frying pan. So Grandpa got saved, and and the Grandpa that I knew before he passed away was such a good man. Yes, and uh, I think his. His only vice later in life was uh, his chewing tobacco. Yes, and I remember he would uh, he would offer me a shiny nickel to go bring him his like spit can, and I remember yeah. like not realizing at the time how disgusting that was, <laughs> like this spit can of of chewing tobacco. But uh, but he became a Christian, and then the whole then the West family was was complete in yes. their attendance at church and. We always joked about how, you know, a family of your size, the pastor was probably thrilled to see attendance at the church double when the West family showed up and then disappointed to find out how little you were going to be able to tithe. (laughs) Yes, that's right. So I love that story, though, about grandma, because, you know, we've we've talked a lot over the years and from the stage, I've shared a lot about um, the importance of our family tree and the and the part that we each can play in bringing new life to our family trees. And I've shared that story about grandma hitting grandpa with the cast iron frying pan, really just from a, you know, obviously the humor in that, Uh, you know, many years later, you can laugh (laughs) about moments like that, but, but also to see that grandpa really stepped up and, and whatever it was, you know, obviously we know it was the Lord working in his life more than the knot on his head, but to make a life change and become the dad and the husband that he, he needed to be. And for you to see that change in him, before we even get to specifically your blue couch moment, what do you think, looking back, it meant to you to see your dad have a heart change? Because I think there's probably a lot of listeners who maybe haven't grown up in a Christian home. Maybe they're still praying for their dad or you know, any number of situations, right? So I, I've been fortunate. I've grown up in a home 
where my dad, I've never once had to pray, you know, Lord, you know, let my dad come to a personal relationship. I've never had to pray for an unsaved parent. You know, I've had to pray for patience with a saved parent. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but um, but what, what was that like for you growing up to see, to visibly watch this change in your dad, to go from drinking on the weekends, doing the things he shouldn't be doing, to going, no, I'm going to make, I'm going to have a real heart change, which is going to lead to life change. Yes. Well, actually, a, a couple things. One of the things um, that my dad, with his struggle with alcohol, it worked a positive in my life because I I saw that and I I learned to have a, just a great hate for, for alcohol. And again, everybody has different feelings about that. But I think for me, it was just, uh, that was a, a great thing, you know, because I never, ever had to struggle with alcohol like my dad. A so. lot of people say that, like the experience that they had, like if they had a, a parent or a family member struggle with that, then you know, the, the tendency is to, and not to be legalistic about it. I mean, right. you know, but the tendency for those individuals, Emily's ha Emily has a very similar situation when it comes to, you know, she, she just avoided, you know, drugs at all costs, obviously, yeah. you know, because of some things she saw as a kid. So, I mean, I think a lot of people would relate to that, but so, yeah. but then to see him make that change, yes. you know, that had to just leave an indelible mark on you. Yeah. And what that, the second thing it told me is that God can change anyone, no matter how messed up we get in any area. And I saw him literally change my dad uh, and just, I mean, uh, again, with the frying pan and uh, just uh, touching him. And my dad knew, you know, about God and was taught as a kid, but, you know, it didn't make that commitment to Christ until. And so, again, it just no matter a family member or if it's a parent or a sibling, mm -hmm. and no matter uh, what messes their lives up, it shows that God can change you and give you a new purpose. And the, my dad became a great dad. Is that what you noticed too? Like, I mean, he just, did he, I mean, not that he was a bad dad before, right, right. but you just noticed a, a change in how he treated grandma, how he went about you know, making you and the kids a priority, like yeah, you could see the change in him as a result of his faith becoming yes, the driving force. Yes, and it's only Jesus that can make those kind of changes. So your blue couch moment, you talk about going to church, you know, grandma obviously had a huge impact on your yes, life. Yes. VBS, Vacation Bible School, I love those memories. Yes. And then um, let's talk about Uncle Jim, Yes. your older brother, which is a big part of your blue couch story, right? Yes, yes. I was uh, 17 at the time, a senior in high school. My brother Jim, along with my brother George, they went into the service. It was the Vietnam War, and my brother Jim got sent to Vietnam. My brother George got to stay in the, in the States, and it was December uh, 16th, uh, 1967, that we got news that he was killed uh, in a truck mishap and over 90% of his body was burned. And uh, so that moved me. Uh, God used those moments to, you know, at that time I made a total commitment to Christ and said, uh, if you're Lord, I'll do whatever you want me to do. Uh, if you just get me through this moment. And I happened to, before he left for Vietnam, when he was home for the last time, the last thing we did is I, we had a fight. That was the thing that stuck in my mind that we had a fight. And those were the last words. So again, another powerful message, be careful of the words you say, it could be the last one. Just so you speak. had, a, you had a lot of guilt. Over oh that. yes. Yes. And yeah. were you, was there a moment like I mean, I, I can't imagine what it was like for the family, you know, going to Uncle Jim's funeral. Was that the moment where you prayed that prayer to the Lord? Yes. Our pastor shared uh, a message of salvation, shared how he read a letter of my brother Jim of how he would write a letter to my mom and at the end say, God is still on the throne, and that it, while he was at, at war. So, But it was at that moment, and that was December 23rd, two days before Christmas, 
we were at the church for my brother's funeral and cold Iowa winter day. And uh, I remember it all, but that's where my life totally changed. How long after did you feel a call into ministry? Because you went off to Bible college. Were you the only, you were one of the few, if not the first brother or first kid to go to college, right? Uh, Well, my brother George went to a community uh, college and uh, graduated there. But yeah, I I was... uh, the first one, but I barely squeaked by, so I don't brag about that too about, much. About going to school? Well, I barely graduated from Bible college. Uh, <laughs> my my grades weren't the best. But uh, <laughs> but all these years later, you you continue to be a student of Scripture. Yes, yes. I mean, when was it that you decided you felt called to be a minister? Well, after that, I went to church all the time and became a Sunday school teacher and everything. And I, I think it was you know, the pastor at the time had mentioned, have you ever prayed about going to Bible college? You know, the seed was planted. And, uh, and again, I was the most unlikely to be called. I, you know, I didn't feel I was that smart and I was very shy at the time. And in fact, when I would go home from Bible college and then after becoming a pastor and marrying Sharon and, and, uh, coming home, I'd have some of the elderly people in the church come up to me and say that they would have told me that you were going to become a, a pastor they and a minister. I would have never, ever believed it. You could hardly lift your head up and look at us. Yeah, that's. Uh, I've had so many people, including mom, tell me the stories yeah. of your shyness, which yes. is, it reminds me, I mean, it's like the Moses story of just, yeah. you know, Moses kind of saying, Lord, yeah. you know, it, nobody, maybe anybody who'd heard Moses speak before knew that he had... A struggle with his speech, yes, right? So yeah. they would have been the equivalent of the elderly ladies at your church going, not, not Joe, he's too shy. There's That's no way right. he could be a preacher. That's right. You guys always hear me talk about how much I admire and love my wife, Mrs. Emily West. One of the things that I admire about her is she is an avid reader. I mean, she devours one book after the other, especially in the summertime, right? In fact, we got in our first argument on our honeymoon because when we went on our honeymoon, she brought a book and I didn't. I thought we were just going to gaze into each other's eyes for the entire week, but she planned on reading a novel, and uh, I didn't like that so much then, but now I respect it. If you've always said that you want to be more like Emily and you want to read more too, just like I'm saying to myself, well, let's challenge ourselves to make this summer the time that we actually do that. Let's read some more. Empower your inner reader with literati book clubs where you can read alongside the world's most inspiring authors and leaders. Literati delivers their monthly book picks straight to your door so you can spend less time finding a good book and more time actually reading one. Authors, leaders, and activists spark lively conversations in 12 unique book clubs, engaging in a diverse community of readers from all around the world. That means you can talk about Stephen Curry's favorite books with Stephen Curry for real. They're also going to host exclusive interviews with the authors themselves, which can take you way deeper into the books that you're reading. You can ask your biggest questions and get the insider answers that you won't find in any other book club. All book club members can shop the entire Literati library at discounts that are so steep, they're going to look like cliffhangers with many books over 50% off. Move freely between clubs or use the standard membership to access everything and choose the books that you want delivered. Reimagine what a book club can be. Redeem your free trial at literati.com slash Matthew West. Head to literati.com slash Matthew West to learn more and read more with Literati. You know, when my wife and I first started out getting married, having babies, the last thing on my mind was setting up a trust or a will. You know, life's going great. What could possibly go wrong? And then a trusted friend sat me down and really forced me to realize the importance of securing my family's future. 
And I am so glad that I did because the peace of mind that came from that was just really a game changer. And that's why I want to encourage you to do the same. You may be just starting out buying a home, having babies, saving money, whatever it may be. I want you to secure your family's future. Put that on your to-do list today, would you? By establishing a will or trust at trustandwill.com. At trustandwill.com, setting up an estate plan is simple, convenient, and secure. For as little as 39 bucks, you can nominate guardians for your children, determine who gets your stuff, and plan for future medical care, all from the comfort of your home. Again, this is stuff we might not want to think about, but it's important to think about it on behalf of our families. Trust and Will documents are designed by estate planning experts and customized for the state you live in. And with live customer support, seven days a week, Trust and Will Com's team is available to answer any questions that you have while you're setting up your plan. Hiring a traditional estate attorney, it could cost thousands of dollars. This is $39 and it is a game changer. All right, now Trust and Will is the most trusted name in online estate planning. They're the best, the category leader on Trust Pilot, and they've helped hundreds of thousands of people protect their family's assets and legacy. Let Trust and Will help you. Gain peace of mind at trustandwill.com slash west and get 10% off plus free shipping of your customized legal documents. Don't wait. Do this. This is important. Go right now. This is this is good stuff and important stuff for your family, right? Get 10% off plus free shipping at trustandwill.com slash west. That's trustandwill.com slash west. Let's jump to your own journey of fatherhood here. You and mom, you know, mom talked about this in our interview at the Mother's Day episode. And if you want to hear the full West family story, you can, after this, if you if you missed the Mother's Day episode, you can go back and listen to my interview with my mom. But you guys tried to have kids for seven years. Yes, yes. And then I was born. Yeah. And then, uh, and then you got on a roll. Yes, and, yes. Uh, now, you didn't go as far as Grandma West with 10 <laughs> kids. I, I'm going to guess, was it your decision early on to go, there ain't no way that we're having as many kids as I grew up with? Well, when we had two more uh, boys, you know, Joel and Adam, uh, we we said after Adam, we're gonna stop. That's it. We we can't follow my <laughs> my dad, mom. <laughs> yeah, it was too many mouths to feed. Yeah, yeah, too many chances to take. And so you you had three boys, and uh, obviously we're all grown up now. But um, what would you say were, were some of your motivations as a dad? You know, while we were growing up, what were some of the things that? fueled you and motivated you that went through your mind and your heart on a regular basis in terms of like what kind of dad you wanted to be? Like what were some things that were your compass and drove you to be the dad that you were and, and have been? Well, the first and foremost is to to be a, a Christian dad, a Christ follower. And, you know, just like my mom set that example and then my dad came along and set that example. Uh, that was my first goal is that I want to make sure that I would be, you know, that they'd see Christ in me, that you would see Christ in me and want to follow the Jesus that I was following and serving. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, one of the, one of my big takeaways, and I'm sure my brothers would attest to this is just, you know, I think there was, you always worked very, very hard. And as a pastor, the work is never done, especially, you know, it's not like we were at this mega church that where you had handlers, you know, it seems to be one or the other. You're at a mega church where you've got handlers or you're at a regular sized church and you're handling everything. And I think that was the case for our family. We had to, you know, it was all hands on deck, but as hard as you worked, you would structure your schedule around, you know, our baseball games, our football games, everything we had to do. And you always and continue to, you know, make us feel like a priority. And, uh, you know, I'm just curious as to, was that ever a challenge for you? Or did you, you know, what were some times where you maybe, were there ever times where you felt like, man, I'm blowing it as a dad because I'm too focused on my work at the church or whatever? If that was the case, I don't know that we as kids would, could point to memories like that because it's not, we, we were never the kids that looked in the stands and didn't see dad there. Yes. Why was that important to you? I think again, it goes back of how 
you viewed your parents, like my parents. And I saw my dad, you know, he was a hard blue collar worker, but he had to work all the time to provide for 10 kids. So he wasn't able to be, and he worked at nights. And then during the day, he'd have to sleep or have another job. So he couldn't be at our ball games. He could be at our school programs, none of that. And not to his fault, but he couldn't be it, be there. And so I determined as a young father that no matter how busy in the demands of pastoring, we took a little church of three families and it took a lot out of me, but we were determined that our children, we were going to be there for the children. And it was important for me to, to be at your games and at anything that you uh, did from the plays at school or yeah. whatever, uh, that became a priority because I, I saw what my dad had to do. I didn't care how busy, how late I was going to be there. So that was a, actually a case where you were motivated to create a different experience than you yourself experienced as a yes, child. And, yes. and and not not necessarily one where you're, you blamed it on your right, dad. It was right. just something you're like, you know, I see that for what it is. And I want to make sure that I can create a different experience for my kids. And I would just say that you've you successfully uh, accomplished that in a big way. I'm curious, like, is there a scripture that you have clung to that has specifically been a guide for you in regards to just your parenting style for how you've handled me and my brothers? Well, there's a lot of scripture that were important to me in raising my children. And the beginning, you know, the scripture, John three sixteen, uh, that we taught you that from a baby, that, mm. you know, the greatest verse in the Bible, for God so loved the world, that he gave his one and only son, and whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And that was so important for us, is to um, teach that, live that, and, uh, you know, impress that upon your hearts all through your childhood and all, all through your life. That's good. And then Philippians 4.13, um, you know, it's a verse that we always live by, and we taught a, a vacation Bible school, and you'd bring your friends, and they'd mm -hmm. all memorize, I can do all things through Christ who gives me uh, strength. And uh, so those are verses we wanted to put in in your hearts and uh, wanting to be like Jesus and to set the example that they would see Jesus in me. The psalmist said, let the beauty of Jesus be seen in me. Mm -hmm. And that's, you know, what I wanted my kids. They didn't see a perfect father, but, uh, you know, and you didn't see a perfect father, but hopefully you saw Jesus in me through it all mm -hmm. and, you know, his love and forgiveness in me. I think a lot about that in regards to just me being a dad myself now, realizing that a lot of times I feel like I have a pressure. I feel a pressure to be a perfect dad, but I feel that way a lot in my life in general. Like I think I just put a pressure on myself to try to achieve perfection in every aspect. And so same goes for fatherhood and it's not attainable in every, in any aspect of any of our lives. And so when, when that's the standard, we will, always feel like we're we're falling short of it because we are and i will say that you know i have learned just the hard lesson of when i feel like i've blown it with one or both of my daughters and how i've handled the situation how i've handled communication how i've handled priorities how i've spoken to their mom in front of them you know whatever it may be every family has these these times and every every parent will have these moments where they just feel like they blew it, you know, to not let pride get in the way, to right, not to not right. be blinded by pride, but to to be humble enough. You know, I've some of the most special moments I've had with my daughters as a dad, you know, came about by less than special moments. It came about because of forgettable moments where gosh, I wish I hadn't blown it. But because I walked up into Lulu's room, knocked on the door and said, hey, listen, I just want to apologize without any excuses. Like, look, I'm, I'm sorry. And I'm trying to be a good dad. And sometimes I'm going to blow it. Do you love me? And she, oh, of course I love you. And, and there, it's crazy how you can have a moment where you blow it, followed by a quick and sincere apology, which then leads to 
a deeper level of connection and closeness. Yeah, so yeah. it's almost like you, you wind up thanking the Lord even for the screw-ups because, you know, he truly does work all things for the good, and I'm thankful for that, you know. I, yeah. At the same time, I still want to strive for perfection as a parent because I'm just hoping to get as close yeah. to it as possible because yeah. the stakes are high, aren't they? Yeah. You know, I think as as parents, Dad, I think... You know, I think there's a lot of people listening to this right now who are parents and and they probably feel that, you know, and if they don't feel that the stakes are high, then then maybe they're not taking it seriously enough. You know, I think I think about that. It's like, man, you know, I heard somebody say, you know, who it was? It was Elon Musk (laughs) made this quote about kids. And he's like, I don't expect anything from my kids. He said they didn't ask to be born. I owe them everything. <laughs> I brought them into this world. And I'm paraphrasing what he said, but it stuck out to me because I thought, I was like, my kids didn't ask to be born. You yeah, know, they're here yeah. in my house. And I'm thankful that the Lord put them under my roof and under my care. But I want to provide for them everything. And you and mom set the example in a huge way for what that looks like, you know, and what it looks like to make our kids a priority, what it looks like to be quick to the apology and and what it looks like to to build a long and and lasting relationship with our kids and and as you said and you said it beautifully so that that our kids can see the beauty of Jesus in us and is there any greater legacy that we can leave to our kids than than that really yeah, right that's for sure that's for we sure we want to point our kids to Jesus yeah. now at the end of every show we have a section called dadvice and and that's really turned into more of a devotional moment that closes out the show where you leave everybody with what you do best what you've done for many years you're a pastor you've been a pastor of the same church for almost 40 years for those who don't know and now you help run our nonprofit ministry where you continue to pastor you pray with people at our concerts we write devotionals and we send them out. Our ministry is thriving and reaching so many people, and it's a ministry helping people find healing in their stories, right? So Dadvice, at the end of every episode, people look forward to that. But you're giving a devotional message, and I was thinking just in the terms of the the word Dadvice that I sort of mashed up and created. He's my dad, and he gives good advice, and that's why this segment's called Dad Vice. Well, before we get to the actual dad advice of this episode, I'm wondering, can you share what would be a bit of advice that you would give to parents or a dad out, specifically to the fathers out there as we're heading towards, you know, Father's Day? What would be an encouragement you would give to the dads out there? Well, the key to, you know, being a successful dad and a husband and a father is... Um, learning to never give up uh, in your life personally and never giving up on your mate or when someone makes a mistake or your children. Again, what you alluded to about being able to say, hey, I'm sorry, I, I blew it. But what I wanted my children to see that in our marriage, we never gave up on each other through for better, for worse. And we want our children to know that we'd never give up on them, even when they would show their human nature and everything. And so, again, I might not have been the most talented dad or the most uh, uh, wealthy dad, but could I set that example of, of learning and teaching my children, don't give up uh, with God's help you can be the best dad, the best father, the best husband, the best friend. Yeah, it, it, so really just that continuation of that message of perseverance over yes. perfection, being present over being perfect, right? That yes. that running that race well and and refusing to give up. And, and, you know, I mean, you've done it. You know what I mean? How many years have you and mom been married now? 50, going on 51, 51 this August. Yeah. We we had our fiftieth during, during co- the pandemic, yeah. COVID, yeah. So we're expecting you to do something even bigger this year. Oh, is that for, right? <laughs> no, just kidding. I'll let you live with me. How about <laughs> yeah, that? Yeah, that's right. That's a good idea. Oh gosh, well this has been great, and I think people have you know so many people have shared with me how much your ministry and and the way that you've loved on people has meant to them, and so uh, I was excited to be able to kind of pull back the curtain and have you share 
a bit more of your story, where you come from. You know, this is a podcast all about the power of our stories and we all have one and no two stories are the same. And I love that, you know, a big part of your story is the story of perseverance, you know, married for 51 years, pastoring at the same church for 38 years. Yes, Hello. Yes. Um, you know, faithfully loving your kids and, and serving other people. So perseverance, never giving up. Those are, um, if that's something you have strived for in your life, you have hit the mark in a big way, and uh, it's been an honor for me to bear witness to it. So yeah. I'm glad that we get to be in ministry together. I would be making a huge mistake, though, if I ended this episode, this interview with you, without giving you a chance to, you know, you've become uh, somewhat famous for your your dad jokes. No matter how hard or how horrible they, they are, people seem to love them. So how about we end on a dad joke? Is that a good place to end? All right. And I'll try to remember it. I looked it up on my phone. and Well, you I, can look it up again I if you need to. I lost it on my phone. Oh, you lost it? But this is the dad talking to his son. You already told one joke about uh, get your head out of your app, <laughs> yeah. which, uh, yeah, yeah. which didn't bear repeating. But, <laughs> well, can you turn your phone well, on? Or well, you I think I can remember. The dad saying to the son, you will never amount to anything. And the son replied, no, no, it was, <laughs> no, the joke was, you're uh, procrastinating. Oh, you, all you do you'll is never amount to anything because you procrastinate. And the son replied, just you wait, I'll be somebody. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> I mean, I think you saved your worst I think you saved your worst dad joke for this special Father's Day episode. Oh, gee, here was my chance. Well, do you want to redeem yourself? Can, can you Google another one? Or uh, no, well, I I think you know I try to tell your mom that. Well, you wrote your own. You wrote one before. Remember, yeah. you've been writing your own, and they're really bad. Yeah. I well, what does the cow say when he jumps in your bed? Move over. Oh my That's goodness. the only one I can remember. That you wrote that one? Yeah, I think we did that one. The cow <laughs> jumping in your bed, like that. Just the premise is not even <laughs> realistic. I don't know. I'm not going to dissect them. I tried to say the the worse they are, the better they are, because now, that's what makes people laugh. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Well, somebody's laughing big time right now. Then, if that's what makes them laugh. Uh, Dad, this is great. Thank you for sharing today. Anything else you want to share with the people today? Well, just uh, thank you, Matthew, for um, letting me share. And thank you for um, being such a wonderful son. And I tried to, I always will continue to try to be the best dad that I can to you and Joel and Adam yeah. and the best grandfather to to our wonderful grandchildren yeah. and your daughters and all of our children. Well, you are that, and uh, we love you, and uh, I'm so thankful for you. And I know people listening to this love you and are thankful for your ministry too. So, uh, and for your dad jokes, even so. Uh, uh, thanks for all that you do to pour into people and uh, and to pour into our family and to show us what perseverance and choosing to never give up looks like so that's a great encouragement for anybody listening today just as a parent or whatever walk of life you find yourself in just to never give up keep on persevering and uh, and we'll see you in just a few minutes for uh closing out with with dad advice so, all right thanks dad all right thank you man hey now it's time for songs from the story house today's song from the story house is uh well it's my tribute to my dad simple as that and uh, kind of tells the story of what you just heard in that interview and really what my dad shared proves this song to be true you know the whole time that I have grown up looking up to my dad I know that he was looking up to somebody else for guidance and may my kids see that same thing in me so I'm gonna let this song just speak and let it be my tribute to to my dad, Reverend Joseph West, and I hope it speaks to you today just to remember and remind you that you've got a heavenly father, so keep on looking up to him for guidance. Mm -hmm. 
Daddy was a preacher, the man I wanted to be. No, he didn't wear a cape and he couldn't fly, but he was a hero to me. Believing heroes are human, but there's one thing I always knew. The whole time I was looking up to him, he was looking up to you. Somebody's daddy. I got two beautiful girls. They look at me like they think I hung the moon, and I feel the weight of their words. I don't know how to lead them, so lead my every move. 'Cause I know those eyes are looking up to me. That's why I'm looking up to you. Tempted to look at the world around me for satisfaction only you can provide. Keep me looking up to you. When trouble surrounds me and I'm tempted to fix my eyes on my circumstances, keep me looking up to you. I'm trying to lead my family. Help me remember that starts by following. Lord, keep me looking up to you. Always looking up to you. Amen. He's my dad, and he gives good advice, and that's why this last segment of every episode is called. Dad Vice. He is my dad and he gives good advice. And that's why this segment is called Dad Vice. Dad, we're getting dangerously close to Father's Day. And uh, this is your time to shine. This is your segment, Dad Advice. So it's a perfect time for you to give us some Father's Day advice. For all the dads out there, giving them some dad advice, uh, today we're going to talk about the word legacy, right? Right. And I think that's, right. a, that's a word that, you know, uh, rings in our ears as dads. You know, what kind of legacy are we going to leave? And how can we leave a, a legacy to our kids? How can we set the right example? So share with us today. All right. Our key verse for today in talking about a legacy and being a hero for our children is Proverbs 27. The righteous man walks in his integrity. His children are blessed after him. With Father's Day approaching, I wanted to talk to all the dads out there. I, I know there are a lot of pressure on fathers to be the best example and to be the hero to our children. And oftentimes we feel that we fall short. But I want to encourage and challenge all of us out there, and especially fathers, in two areas. One, be a hero to your children. The devil will always whisper in your ear and say that you're a zero and not a hero. He will always say that you 
cannot be good enough, and you will never measure up as a father, but God will give you the power to be a hero in the eyes of your children. I saw this definition of a hero, Matthew, and I really liked it. It says a hero is selfless, a genuinely good person, and someone who gets the undivided attention of all of us and causes change. Webster's definition says a hero is a legendary figure often of divine descent endowed with great strength or ability. Maybe you had a dad out there who was a real hero, but maybe you did not. But no matter what you experienced as a child, if it was negative, it doesn't have to determine who you are today. One person wrote, some people don't believe in heroes, but they haven't met my dad. God will give you the power to be that hero to your children. And then the second thing, start a brand new legacy. A legacy is how you leave your mark in this world, the way you want to be remembered. As dads who love Jesus, what matters most is the mark of our impression we leave on our children's yeah, life. that's right. Here's uh, Psalm 1, 112, I'm sorry, verses 1 and 2. It says, Blessed is the man that fears the Lord, that delights greatly in his commandments. His seed shall be mighty upon the earth. The generation of the upright shall be blessed. No matter what legacy you were left with, you have the choice to continue it or start a brand new legacy. You can start a brand new legacy with the help of your heavenly Father. He has left you with a legacy of honor, strength, and undying love for him. That is the legacy of a hero. Matthew, you wrote uh, a song with casting crowns named uh, Only Jesus, and the words in there were, I don't want to have leave a legacy. I don't care how they remember me. Only Jesus. That's a real legacy we can leave, that when our children think of us, they remember Jesus because they saw Jesus in us. Not perfect superheroes, but men who love God and love our families and put our trust 100% in Christ. Be a hero to your children and start right now leaving a brand new legacy. I love that. That, you know, that was the sort of the backwards approach to that song, Only Jesus, was that thought, like flipping the word legacy on its head, kind of and saying, you know, I don't want to leave. A, in other words, I, I care less about people remembering my accomplishments in music or in our careers or whatever, and more about. So it's, it's not that we don't want to leave a legacy at all. It's that aiming to not leave your own legacy is setting you in the right direction to be focused on leaving the right legacy, if that's that makes right. any sense. That's and right. so yeah. uh, it's a great message for all the dads out there and really all the parents. And and for the dads out there too, you know, dad, I'm sure you can attest to this and I know I can. I hold myself up to this expectation to be perfect in every aspect of my life. And the same goes for my, my parenting, you know, be, being yeah. a dad. Yeah. And it's just impossible to live up to that expectation that we place upon ourselves. And so there's going to be times where we're just burying our head in our hands and and going, man, I blew it. You know what? I lost my temper on the kids or mishandled this situation, or I've been not dialed in, you know, and, and I think about that. And a lot of times, just like in my spiritual life, I can beat myself up in the way that, you know, I feel like I mishandled being a dad for the day or the week or whatever. And, and so, you know, just hear this message today, all the dads out there, hear the message of grace in this and that reminder of the legacy that can begin starting today. Yes, yes. <laughs> and, and our kids, you know, we talked about this even at, at uh, Mother's Day, you know, for your kids to see not a perfect parent, but a present parent yes. and a present dad, a dad who, who makes them a priority, and a dad who's first to admit when he's short of perfect, yes, you know, yeah, you know when he's sure. imperfect and to say, hey, I'm sorry. So uh, that's a great word today. And uh, legacy is a good word for all the dads to be thinking about. And uh, I love that. And everybody who's not a dad listening to this segment of Dad Vice, uh, go, go hug your dad today if you're out there and, and you're able to. So thanks, yes. Dad. Thank you, man. Hey, my friends, that's the show for today. I want to thank my guest, Reverend Joseph West, my dad, for joining me. How cool was it to be able to 
to have him share a bit more of his story, you know, where he comes from, what's made the West family become the West family. And I love that he was able to share about the life change that he saw take place in his own father and how that steered the West family in the direction that it has gone. And now, you know, my dad just leaving this amazing legacy of people seeing Jesus in him. And now I'm a dad. And guess what I want my kids to see in me? Not perfection, but perseverance. And somebody who loves Jesus and wants to make him known. And so I just want to leave you guys with that encouragement. You know, whether you're a mom out there or a dad out there, or maybe you're a kiddo and uh, trying to figure out a relationship with your parents, whatever situation you find in. Maybe you've got a parent who's who's unsaved, just like my dad had growing up. I want to encourage you, don't give up. Don't give up on yourself and don't give up on others. And don't give up on God, okay? Keep going to him with the needs that you have. Specifically, maybe you're out there and you're just thinking, man, my, my dad doesn't know the Lord or, or my mom doesn't know the Lord. Or maybe you're a parent and you're praying for your kid. Don't give up. Just keep on keeping on. Just like my dad shared, running your race with perseverance. Perfection, it's not the goal. Perseverance is the goal. We know there's only one who is perfect, and he has a perfect love, and he's a perfect father. As my friend Chris Tomlin sings, he's a good, good father, and I'm thankful that my father has given me such a good father. So with that, I want to wish you just an awesome rest of the week. And remember, as I always tell you, if you need support, if you need prayer, if you need some spiritual guidance and encouragement in your life, go visit our ministry's website at popwe.org, P-O-P-W-E.org. Visit popwe.org today. We'd love to get connected with you. You can connect with my dad there as well. And until we meet again, I want to encourage you to remember this. It's your story for his glory. I'll talk to you soon. I really hope you like it. <laughs> but seriously, I, I, I do. <laughs>